What is going on, everyone? This is Zach back here with another episode of Clutch Crew Sports. And here on today's episode, we're going to talk about the three NBA teams that were recently eliminated in the playoffs, as well as taking a look at the Eastern Conference and Western Conference Finals. And at the end, we're going to talk a little bit about the NBA Draft Lottery. Now let me introduce you to the rest of the crew. What's going on, guys? This is Eric, your ranting co-host here and there is going to be a rant tonight i can already tell you uh my friend shout out to my friend joseph who listens to us he's a fan of one of these teams and he knows what this rant's going to be about i'm sure he'll be looking forward to it in a way so in uh, a way <laughs> well in a way you know because the player the person deserves the rant but it's about his team that lost so you know obviously i know he would be much happier if his team had won and not had to have this rant but you know we'll uh, see i hope you guys enjoy the episode though and what is going on guys it is connor the co-host with the most and pretty proud of myself i'm coming off of a successful lock probably one of my best locks of all time that i've made so uh, i was pretty excited about that and yeah, I'm also excited that, you know, I still actually have some teams left in the playoffs to root for because, honestly, I didn't think I'd have any left after this round. So, um, <laughs> you know, obviously the Hornets aren't in it, but a couple of my other teams that I like to root for are still in it. So I'm excited. Yeah. And so there, and there's no Lakers. Yeah. And there's no, <laughs> still well, no Hornet, Lakers. Or, yeah. Or, that's... <laughs> and also no, no James Harden or Kyrie or KD winning the championship this year. So, you know, that's also good. <laughs> Yeah, this year has been th this playoffs have been crazy. I feel like it's the um like all the perceived chokers are final are like are actually winning now. And obviously there's one that well, except for one there. of them. <laughs> yeah, there's one there's one exception, but um but yeah, I mean the the Bucks, Giannis, they've had that reputation, the Clippers have had that reputation, and then you have the the Suns and the Hawks who weren't even in the playoffs last year, so that's pretty crazy. I'm glad that there's that's one of those things um, that's that I'm happy about this year, at least, is that between the Suns and Hawks, that's two teams that missed the playoffs that are now in the, the conference finals. That sort of thing in the NFL can happen every now and then, but rarely do you ever see that in the NBA. So shout out to those teams. We'll, we'll be talking about them later, but. <laughs> Especially since we went four straight years of Cavs and Warriors in the finals. Oh, I know. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, obviously, we're not in the finals yet, but we'll see. Uh, so, first off, guys, we want to talk about the three teams that got eliminated over the weekend. And that would happen to be the Nets, the 76ers, and the Jazz. So, we're going to start first with the Nets. And I'll let Connor kind of take uh, take the floor for the Nets. Tell us, like, what the future what the future is going to be like for the Nets. What do you think they need to do? Just kind of recap the Nets for us. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, probably out of all the teams in the playoffs, this probably has to be the most, the team that's probably, I mean, they're all going to be disappointed, but the biggest disappointment has to be for the Nets. This was a, a true and serious case of championship or bust with this team, you know, having Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving all on the same team, <clears throat> you know, the next big three to come out in the NBA. Um, th these guys were looking like a guaranteed lock for the Eastern conference finals. Obviously before the season started, you know, all, all four of us really, because uh, Nate included, had them in the um, finals. Zach was the only one that had them winning the finals, but, you know, we all still at least had them in the finals. So 
Um, quite a big shock to see them going out here in the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, definitely, I would say that out of all the teams that were left at that point, the Bucks were the only team that I saw being able to do it. So, you know, congratulations to them. But honestly, I don't think a lot really changes for the Nets going forward. I mean, it's really for them just about staying healthy. Um, you know, they were at various points, different players were injured throughout the playoffs. Obviously, KD, you know, we ran, we kind of, in a way, knocked on him and, uh, you know, called him out for, you know, his style, his play in the past. And he really stepped up. He really carried this team. Um, you know, if you look at games five through seven, like Kevin Durant was unstoppable carrying this team. So um, he really, you know, there's no change going forward in my mind with this team. Like they should be championship contenders next season. You know, they just have to get everybody healthy. Again, all credit goes to the Bucks because, you know, even though Kyrie and Harden were hurt at different points, um, I know I was talking about this last night when we were, the three of us were talking that three of those four games that the Bucks won, the Nets had at least two of their big three healthy at that time. Like in game three, they had KD and Kyrie fully healthy. And then game six and seven, they had KD and Harden fully healthy. So um, Harden like maybe laboring a little bit, but yeah, I don't see much change for the Nets because there's not much they really can do during the offseason. I mean, this team is, you know, way deep in the luxury tax. They're like almost 60 million over the cap. So there's not a whole lot of changes they can make to this team. But honestly, they don't really need to make a lot of changes. Um, you know, I'm sure you guys would agree with me that um, these guys, they're going to be Eastern Conference finals contenders and NBA finals contenders again next season. Yeah, I definitely agree. Just the the amount of superstars they have on their team automatically puts them in that conversation. I'll say for them, between uh, between Harden and Kyrie, I think Kyrie is more important for them. And that's that's why I think when he got injured, it was a much bigger deal than Harden getting injured. Because in game two, they had no James Harden and blew the blew the Bucks off the court when winning, winning the game by like 40 something points. So Eric, do you agree with me on that? Or do you think Harden's more important than Kyrie? Uh, no, Kyrie is definitely <laughs> I more I, important. I, like, I think I know Eric's answer to this question. <laughs> yeah, no, Kyrie is definitely more important. I mean, like we were talking about earlier, how, you know, some of these teams that have been kind of deemed like playoff chokers or not good teams in the past are like stepping up now James Harden is just another one that continues to disappoint though I mean yeah I know he was injured and everything especially his first game back so I was willing to like you know cut him some slack for that but he didn't perform well in any of the games and especially in game seven he disappeared in that game too I didn't get to watch the game I was at work but just looking at the stat line I mean I know he was like four or 14 or something like that I mean and that's just that's just awful, man. And especially in a game seven, whereas like Kyrie, like he's had big moments, like winning the championship with LeBron in Cleveland. Like he made a lot more clutch shots in the game seven. I know LeBron gets all the credit and everything for that, but Kyrie was really the biggest, you know, difference maker uh, in that game seven. And, uh, and same thing like Zach talked about. I mean, I think just Kyrie and KD have a better chemistry together too than, uh james harden does so that's another reason why i think he's more important but the, if there's one move that i think the nets need to make i mean maybe i'm just overreacting but another person besides james harden that just was really just god awful this whole series who i thought was going to be 
an important piece for them, especially when the injury started happening, happening was Joe Harris. I mean, I, I think they said that I saw this kind of like random stat where like on his last like 22 three pointers from the series that like Ben Simmons has a higher three point percentage than him. Like <laughs> on like, cause like Ben Simmons has shot 22 threes technically, including like half court buzzer beaters and stuff. And he's made the same amount of threes as Joe Harris did in that series. I mean, that's pretty bad. I mean, I don't know like <laughs> if they should consider moving on from him or like, I don't know, but that he was bad too. I mean, like KD straight carried. I mean, we called him yeah, out. They did. We we said that he needed to be a difference maker, and especially in Game Five. I mean, he played every minute of that game, and he I mean, played he every minute like, of like Game Six and Seven too. I think he pretty yeah. much played every minute of like those last few games. Yeah, yeah, he was like unguardable at times. I mean, and th- th- this is why I think he is the best player in the NBA, but. <clears throat> I still want to see him win without superstars and obviously like they weren't fully able to get it done there. But so I don't know, Joe Harris question marks, James Harden question marks, well, but <clears throat> well, I think um, just very quickly before we move on to the next team, yeah. your thing about Joe Harris, I think probably what's going to help him honestly, like I don't think he does well in a starting role, which is what he was forced into. I think he's better if he can get into that coming off the bench role that he had, you know, because when Harden, KD and, and Kyrie are all healthy, Harris is like the sixth man, you mm-hmm. know, but with Kyrie going down, it's like, okay, Harden kind of had to move over and play point. So then Harris would play, you know, the two guard is like the starter. So I think he's a lot better coming off the bench. So if they can, again, if they can all get healthy, I think he'll, I think he'll come back to where he was. I think just okay. getting thrust into that starting role was probably not good for him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that That's a part of it. I just think too, he just, he just needs to, to play better. I mean, that's, it's, Honestly, so it's such a simple thing to say, but if he makes those shots, they win one of those games, you know, that they lose close or the overtime doesn't happen, you know, so so many things you can point at. I like he just needs to he just needs to shoot better because he was getting he was still having open shots. They just weren't falling. Like when you have KD and Harden, even a 50 percent Harden, you're going to get open looks. And when Kyrie comes back, that'll make it even better for him. So. Honestly, he's just got to make the shots, and and that's that's really all it is, I think. Um, let's move over now and talk about another team that had a disappointing playoffs, and that would be the Utah Jazz. So the Jazz, I think, are in a situation kind of – they're in a totally unique situation here compared to these other teams, I think. Because with the Nets, a lot of what we're saying is – Oh, this team's still good. This team's still going to, you know, be, they're going to be fine. I don't know if we're saying that about the Jazz guys because the Jazz, they, you know, it's fine in the regular season to do what they do, but this is two straight years now in the playoffs. They've, uh, they've kind of choked. I mean, they, they had the big lead against Denver in the bubble and then Denver came back and beat them in that series. And then they were up 2 0 on the Clippers. And then Kawhi got injured, and they still lost two games to end this to to lose four in a row. So this is worrisome to me if I'm the Jazz. But the thing is, is what are they going to do? Because they have Gobert and and Mitchell, obviously. To that Gobert has like a a max contract or something, and then Gobert or Mitchell probably is going to get a max contract if he doesn't already have one. So those those are fine. But after that, it's just. What are you going to do? What kind of person are you going to bring in to the team to to change things? And 
I'll I'll give my opinion on who that might be, and then see if see if Eric thinks it's cool or not. But I think what they should do is I think they should trade Mike Conley to the OKC Thunder for Kemba Walker, and obviously they'll probably get some a pick or a young player or something uh, in that trade to go along with Mike Conley. But I think bringing in someone like Kemba Walker to replace Mike Conley because Conley, let's face it, he's getting older. He's not the offensive um, player that he once was. And that's the thing with the jazz is they, their offensive stars are basically Mike Conley and Jordan Clarkson because Gobert is not an offensive star. They have good defensive players. Joe Ingles can hit three sometimes Royce O'Neal, but I think someone like Kemba Walker and, and Kemba's inconsistent but at least those times where he he does show up, he does you know put on like thirty point games and stuff. So Eric, what do you think about that from a Thunder's perspective, and uh, and if you think that makes sense for the Jazz? Yeah, I, I think that could make sense for the Jazz. And as a Thunder fan, as long as if we're getting like you know first round pick or like yeah. a young guy, to <laughs> you don't need like, another first round pick. <laughs> okay, what are you well, talking about? Well, I'm not just going to trade. Kemba I know that, that was a joke. Up. Okay, I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I gotta get, I gotta get compensated. You, you, know, you know, I've already got a million, but what's a million and one? You know, like, <laughs> well, and honestly, like, what I think the Thunder are trying to do, like, after that, just to get on them for a second, after making that Kemba Walker trade, like, I think they're trying to get as many picks as possible to try to like move up higher in the draft or something if the draft lottery doesn't go their way or like. Maybe there's somebody they see like in the next year's draft or something they might want to try to get. So they're stashing up picks to move up to like the top five or something for that. But I don't know. But but yeah, I, I do think that trade would make sense. But the the main person that I think the Jazz need to move on from is Rudy Gobert. Like Rudy Gobert has to be the most overrated player in the NBA, or at least one of the aside from players. someone else who might get talked about later. Uh, yeah, from so now. who I'm going to talk about <clears throat> later might be the most overrated player. But Rudy Gobert, but honestly, I might even say Rudy Gobert is more overrated just because you know he wins these DPOY awards all the time, and everybody's like, "Oh, he's a lockdown machine," and like, <laughs> and yeah, like he's good at guarding bigs, you know, like posting up in the paint, like. Yeah, he's good at that, but when he's got somebody driving at him, like, he got torched a lot during that. I'm like, if you're the defensive player of the year, like, more often than not, you should be stopping that as opposed to them torching you almost every time. And then other than getting putbacks off of, like, offensive rebounds, he's completely useless on offense. And that's the biggest problem for the Jazz. Like, they're, they really rely heavily on the three-point shooting. <laughs> Yeah, But when the three-point shots aren't falling, they need somebody else inside who can get you some buckets inside when the shots aren't falling, and it's not Rudy Gobert. Like, I think they could still trade him because even though he has a max contract, he... That's he the has problem, those, dude. I'm looking, has, at, I'm looking it up right now. It's big. Yeah, but see, he has those DPOY awards, and so I think they could trick a team that's like, you know, I wouldn't... I don't want to say this to Gene Zag, but like, Somebody like don't, Portland don't. that somebody like <laughs> somebody like Portland that is like trying to get better on defense might fall for it. Be like, well, he's the defensive player of the lot or defensive player of the year. Like, he instantly boosts our defense and can make a difference for us. Like, I could see some team that is like hot on offense but struggles on defense making a trade for him. But if that's who I'm moving on from, if I'm the Jazz, I I'm not a Rudy Gobert fan at all. And I know some people say like, well, he gets like 20 rebounds a game. 
but like I talk about stats all the time, like rebounds are so pointless. Like most of those rebounds are just uncontested defensive rebounds. So he'll get you some offensive boards every now and then that are valuable. But out of those like 20 rebounds he's getting in a game, like three or four of them are valuable and the rest are not. So th- those are inflated numbers to me that don't really mean anything. So, but I do agree with Zach too, though, that they do need to try to move on from Mike Conley if possible, but uh, trading him might be difficult, but I do think they well, could get, I do think they could trade Gobert, but Connor, I what mean, do you think on this? Moving on from Conley will be easy. Just don't re-sign him. He's going to be a free agent next year. So, oh, I um, thought he still had, I thought he still had one more year. No, on he's, deal. his, his deal is done. So, oh, okay. Well, that trade's yeah. not going to happen. Then. I was about to say, I was like, yeah, that'll, so that'll be easy. They can just, I mean, cause yeah, they're not going to re-sign him to like something small just to trade him. So no, um, no. yeah, it's okay. I didn't I don't, Yeah. That. I mean, I definitely agree with Eric. They need to get a more, you know, someone who can score inside. Cause you're right. You know, it's live by the three, die by the three. And most of the time you're going to die by the three, <laughs> especially in the playoffs. Cause teams, I think Zach has talked about this before. Like teams are a lot more, you know, vigilant and, awake i guess is the term i could use to that in the playoffs so like they don't let you get those easy open looks as often as you do in the regular season because there's a lot of regular season matchups where they're just kind of like eh you know whatever like take it i don't really you know and also teams teams will go down the depth chart more when it comes to the down the playoffs a lot of teams just go with seven maybe eight players right and so but it's like you know during the regular season it's kind of just like eh who cares you know i don't want to try and like you know overexert myself trying to like contest this like you know i don't want to get hurt get hurt or whatever but during the playoffs like it's all or nothing so they're going to be a lot more alert they're not it's not going to be like the all-star game out there where everybody gets open threes you know so so yeah i definitely agree trading gobert has to be a priority for them um you know like you said i don't know if there'll be any takers um i mean because I, I don't know. I'm trying to think of who it would be. I mean, other than Portland, because I know Here, let me. This is I ridiculous, mean, guys. Let me read you the cap hits for the next few years. So uh, next year, it's thirty five million. Then it's thirty eight million. Then it's forty one million. Then it's forty three million. And in twenty twenty five, it's forty six million. Yeah. Like so because he won those defensive player of the year awards, he was eligible for I think it was the Supermax. Um, yeah. And well, they gave it, it to him. And it's so, one of those things, too. It's like you have to take advantage of his value now because, yeah. you know, definitely later down the line, you know, people are going to either start to realize that he's overrated or he's going to regress. And then you're just going to be stuck with this player that is making a ton of money. I mean, kind of like how the Hornets are probably going to be stuck with Gordon Hayward. But, you know, yeah. you're going to be stuck with this player that's on a super max contract that's going to be doing like hard next to nothing for your team. So they have to do it now. If they don't do it now, then I don't think they'll ever be able to do it. So um, it's a priority for sure. Yeah, let's um, let's now go to the third team, and that's the Philadelphia 76ers. So, Eric, um, just do your thing. man. <laughs> <laughs> Get the popcorn ready. Yeah. yeah. Joseph, this one's for you, man, because I know you feel the same way. My buddy Joseph's a 76ers fan uh, that I work with, so I'm, I'm sure he feels the same way as me. But, yeah, so basically what the 76ers need to do is they need to get rid of Ben Simmons. I mean, Ben Simmons is just one of the overall strangest players to watch. I mean, this guy is like 6'10", you know, he can play like a point guard type of player, you know, can facilitate the ball well, 
I mean, this guy, like, on paper with his, like, size and build and everything, if he lived up to his potential, which I know won't happen since he can't shoot, but if he <laughs> were, to, if he were to, to live up to what could have been his max potential, he could have been, like, a Magic Johnson type of level player. I mean, that tall point guard that can facilitate, can get you buckets, can play defense, like, all that stuff. But the problem is this guy just can't shoot the ball. I mean, it's just, I've never seen somebody that is like a primary ball handler that can also be a distributor that can't shoot like this. I mean, the fact that like that one game where he made a three, the one like game where he made like an actual, like real three pointer and his teammates and stuff were all going crazy and the crowd's going crazy and all this stuff. It's like, bro, like, Dozens of three-point shots get made a game, but because he finally made one, then it's all of a sudden so special. Like, he should be doing this on a regular basis. And then don't even get me started on his free throws, dude. I mean, like, Zach, I think, posted in, like, one of our chats that we had with Jackson about, or did Jackson post it? I don't remember, but... No, it was me. It was you. Okay, yeah. This yeah. post about him shooting 34% from the free throw line and that being like the lowest ever in the playoffs or something like that. I mean, that that's just unbelievable, man. So, like, I called him out in the last episode, just like we called KD out. And KD, man, he stepped up. He He scored, like, almost 50 points in game five and like almost 40 points in game seven, like making a high percentage of his shots, like doing everything. Another almost 50 in game seven. Like, yeah. Like what, what is this? What does this guy Ben Simmons do in game seven against the Hawks? Oh, I'm going to bring the ball to the court. Oh, here you take the ball. Okay. I'm going to drive to the basket, but then here you take the ball. Okay. I'm, I'm literally under the rim by myself. There's no one within three feet of me. But here you you take the ball, like I'm. The fact that he had no confidence to even go up for a dunk, that was not even really going to be contested. What? <laughs> I've never seen this in my life. I have, you know, I haven't always been a hardcore basketball fan, but I have watched basketball, or like hoop with my friends or whatever, like since I was a kid and I've never seen this in my entire life. I've, it's just amazing to me. And even on, even on defense, like in game seven, like normally he's like known for being a good defender, which is what makes him, you know, a little more valuable, but literally he would be on Trey young. And then someone comes and sets like a mediocre screen. And then he just switches and gets off of Trey young. Uh, bro, the whole point is like, you're supposed to be this elite defender you're like almost 10 inches taller than Trey Young. Like this shouldn't be that like yes Trey Young is a great offensive player but this shouldn't be that big of a problem. You should be able to contain him better than you know some of these other guys. Like it's like what are you doing, dude? And like this this is what I ranted on LeBron about a while back when I talked about him quitting on this on the Lakers in the series against the Suns like it looked to me like Ben Simmons quit. I don't know if y'all think that. I don't know if y'all thought that when watching the game, but in my opinion, watching it, it looked like he quit on the team. It looked like he couldn't be bothered. It to be did. There. Yeah, I, it definitely, it definitely looked. I, like, especially, I'll say this too. Yeah, 
I think it's I think he's for sure getting traded. I think there's no way they don't trade him. Like after after what happened, uh, like you have to. You have yeah, to. Yeah, I, 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 I would definitely say that they have to. I don't know if they will, but like yeah, yeah I mean I definitely they, agree. They like, especially especially either, that one Yeah. Well I was saying especially like Eric said, that one play where he was literally underneath the basket, no one within three feet of him, like yeah. If you're worried that you're going to get fouled and go to the free throw line, then like at least in that scenario, at least you'll still get the two points for the dunk because like no one's around you. If someone fouls you, it's going to be an and one. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's absurd. Like I remember seeing that, and like he just kind of kicked it out to like Thibel or someone, and they yeah. missed the shot. And I was Who's like, not known as being an offensive scorer, right? And then like the announcers were like, "What? Like why did he just pass that?" Like. Yeah, and that was from the whole game. They're like, they're like, well, there was like one play early in the game, and he kind of did a move and then passed it. Like, well, they were like, wow, look, Ben Simmons was aggressive there. I'm like, no, he wasn't because he <laughs> rolled around and could have probably got a layup, but he passed it out instead. Like, but my thing is like, if they don't trade him, be because, I mean, who's gonna want to stay with with Ben Simmons? Like, he, I think the thing is, is that the Sixers as a team are done with Ben Simmons. That's why I think they have to yeah. move on from well, him. Well, especially done with them. He needs yeah, a fresh start, anyways. And especially, like you said, you know, like it's you're going to lose Embiid because, like, Embiid and Harris are a good combo. It's like you need to bring someone else in that's not Ben Simmons. I mean, even if it's yeah. not like a like an all star point guard, just like someone who can facilitate and get the ball to them, like you know. And then, you just, know, you know, but then if they you know if they draw a double team on Embiid he can kick it out to the new guy in the corner and he'll actually take the shot. Right. You know, get someone, I mean, honestly, just have Seth Curry run the point. I mean, Seth Curry can do that. You know, he can facilitate. And then obviously, you know, Seth Curry is going to hit threes if you leave him open. So it's just like, you know, have Seth Curry run the point. And then if you want to bring in like another big body, I mean, you can try and bring in like another, like a power four. Cause Ben Simmons is honestly like, you know, he plays point guard, but he should be playing, you know, power forward. So you can bring in a power forward or maybe like a small forward and just move Seth Curry over to the point. You know, there's a simple fix right yeah, here. I mean, it's just like the main the main thing I got to say about Ben Simmons is that like I get well, I guess, too, before I say my final point. I mean, there was a time where it seemed like there was a clash between Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. And I think that's still the case. But. Back when this first started happening, I mean, people debated, like, okay, well, they, they need to trade one of them. Do they trade Simmons or do they trade Embiid? Like, you know, they should keep one, but which one do they get rid of? But now it's get rid of Ben Simmons. Like, nobody, like, if Joel Embiid hadn't got hurt, he probably would have won the MVP this year. Like, there, if not, he would have been second to Jokic. I don't know what the voting turned out to be, but. I mean, if he didn't get injured, he probably wins the MVP. Mm -hmm. But whereas Ben Simmons, just trash, dude. I mean, and my final thing about him is like, it's just amazing to me that with all this money that he's making and after winning Rookie of the Year and all this hype that's been behind him, this guy has to be the worst superstar player that I've ever watched play basketball. Like, the worst player that was considered a superstar. Like... He to me is like a seventh or eighth man coming off the bench now. Like is is as bad as he is. Like and the way the NBA is today, like you have to be able to shoot the ball. You have to at least be able to shoot like a corner three or something. And he this man can't even do that. He can't shoot he doesn't even shoot mid range anymore. Like he used to at least kind of have a de a little bit of a decent 
like mid-range game. He doesn't even do that anymore. All of his points are layups and dunks and like one out of five free throws. That's it. <laughs> I mean, it's just, I don't know, man. If Philly needs to get rid of him, like Zach said, he needs a fresh start. I, if I was a 76ers fan, I would be so don't. And plus, like, I don't like quitters. I, I, that, like, I ranted on LeBron about that. Like I said, if you didn't miss that episode, I, I do not want any player on my team, Jags, Vols, Thunder, any of them. If, if they're a quitter, I don't want them on my team. I don't care how good they are. I don't care how what their overall rating on Madden or 2K is. If, if they're a quitter, <laughs> get them off my team. So that's number one priority. Trade I mean, Bum Simmons. <laughs> yeah, 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 but yeah. Let's call him Bum Simmons. Uh, Connor was telling me that before <laughs> the chat. Bum Joseph, let me know what you think of that. Bum Simmons. But, yeah, we got... <laughs> but that's the main thing I think the 76ers need to do. Like, just get rid of him. I think they actually, I mean, they have a pretty good team. Like, Seth Curry has turned up pretty big for them. Uh, you know, Thibel is a young guy that's been growing and being at least finally stayed healthy for most of the season this time. You know, who knows if that'll happen every year, but like he was more reliable this year. I mean, so like they Tobias got, Harris. Yeah. Tobias Harris. He's honestly one of my favorite players to watch on the team. Like I felt like they should have tried to get him a little more involved in the game plan, but maybe if they get rid of Ben Simmons now, then he'll be the for sure, like primary number two guy on the team behind Embiid and, like I like him, so I they they've got some pretty good pieces on that team. But like Ben Simmons is killing the chemistry. He's a quitter. Uh, Philly fans, get him out of there. <laughs> I join the bum. Too. Join the bum squad with Nicholas Bum and Bismack yeah, Babumbo. Nick before Bum. we um before we transition, which we will quickly to the to the games ongoing. I just want to say one thing too that has to be brought up with the 76ers is Doc Rivers. He has to do better. Because I think he also deserves some blame. And you can say that the blame for him is keeping Ben Simmons in the game for too long. Because I think it was game, it was the the epic comeback game that the Hawks had. Uh, game five, maybe. Um, or yeah, four. I, think, I think that was game five. Yeah, was, one of those I think games. it was five. Yeah, he, he kept Ben Simmons in there for so long, you know, and he had the, they just started fouling him right away. And he, of course, missed them all. And after the game, he was like, you don't know basketball if you think I should take Ben Simmons out. like, Clearly, you don't know basketball then. <laughs> he's, uh, he, obviously, we talked about Ben Simmons having to be traded, but Rivers, he has to make adjustments. I mean, this, is, this has been a repeated pattern for him going back to the Clippers. Um, yep. when, going back all the way since they had Blake Griffin and CP3 when they would give up leads. And then when the Clippers with Kawhi and Paul George, that era of Clippers, he, they obviously choked to the Nuggets. And now you see it with the 76ers against the Hawks. It's a pattern here. He has to make adjustments. And, and I honestly, his reputation as a coach is taking a hit, in my opinion. With all these good teams he's had and the lack of success, he has the title in Boston, but his, his reputation... I mean, I, I mean honestly, if you didn't win a title with that team, then you're really doing yeah. something wrong because that was a true, like... Super Big three with, with yeah. Garnett and Pearson Allen, like so, and yeah, Rajon Rondo, like before his prime too, like on that team. Yeah, that, like, that probably was his prime actually. Like, well, yeah, that's <laughs> all true. honesty. It was either right but, before or right at the top, but yeah, yeah he, he's one of the most overrated coaches too. But but just one other thing, I mean, I mean, Trey Young in Game Seven was god awful. I mean, until like he stepped up at, towards the end of the game, but at one point he was like three of twenty shooting. I mean, this 76ers team with Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris, 
uh, Ben Simmons. They lost to a Hawks team basically without Trey Young the whole game, and we're getting torched by Kevin Herter and uh, Danilo Gallinari, who's like and John Collins. <laughs> yeah, I mean that. I mean this is like I don't want to like discredit the Hawks because I mean they they obviously had some amazing games in the series. But they were not good in Game Seven offensively at all. For the, other than like literally, like I said, Herder and Gallinari were carrying, which is not something you would expect to say for the Hawks. Yeah. I mean, like Bogdanovich was kind of hurt, and he wasn't he was ineffective. Trey Young was ineffective. Like you know, Capella, other than getting his offensive putbacks for the most part, like he was ineffective. Like. The, literally, those two guys beat the 76ers team with Ben Simmons, Embiid, Tobias Harris, Seth Curry, and Doc Rivers as coach. Like the 76ers should be not not that the, they shouldn't be embarrassed that they lost the series. Like I said, the Hawks had some great games, but they should be embarrassed that they lost that game seven because the Hawks were not doing well in that game. Kind of so reminds me of the the Clippers losing that game seven to the Nuggets when like yeah. Kawhi and PG disappeared. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, and like I have to give credit to Trey Young though, because like I said, he was god awful for a big chunk of the game. But you know, the biggest difference to me, he wanted it more than Ben Simmons did. I can tell you that. Like I'm sure, like, oh, Tobias sure. was competing. I'm I'm sure Embiid really wanted it, but Ben Simmons didn't seem to want it at all. Trey Young, you can tell, like he wanted to win that game, and he finally got some shots falling like late in the fourth. And then that ended up being the difference in the end. Whereas where was Ben Simmons? Oh, let me pass it to you when I'm three feet under the, or under the rim with nobody around me. Like I can't <laughs> even take, I can't even take a layup, dude. Screw you, dude. Yeah. All right. Enough said there, guys, let's go and talk about the Eastern conference finals to start with. And that's going to be the Atlanta Hawks against the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, Mike Budenholzer, series he was the the coach for the hawks back when they made the eastern conference finals you know this this was kind of shocking to me but it, this is only the second time atlanta has made the eastern conference finals um they won like a finals back at st louis but that's okay you know, that was, more, that's more more times than the hornets have made it so <laughs> <laughs> yeah th- dang this was but honestly that game seven win was i think the the biggest win in franchise history really like because we all knew that they were going to lose to the Cavs, and we expect them to lose to the Bucks. But there's at least, I think, better chance that they beat the Bucks than the than they had against the Cavaliers that year. But nonetheless, guys, we're all picking the Milwaukee Bucks to win the series. Um, and the 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 article kind of that I found to talk about this series um, is talking about the Hawks in their Game Seven. So it says on and kind of like what Eric was talking about just now on a night, Trey young struggles Hawks show their growth in stunning series clincher. So um, the things that the article kind of talked about with the Hawks is, you know, the last time we talked about the Hawks, it was, you know, they're, Oh, they're, they're ahead of schedule They're You know, this is really good. This is just like, um, this is just gravy. You know, this is, they should be happy to be here sort of a thing. But now it seems like they're starting to, to make a mark and, and show that they belong. And it's not just a fluke. Like, um, like they're, they're a serious team to contend with. Um, and I, I'll give credit to, to Trey young, but also I, I'm going to give, um, secondly credit to Nate McMillan, their head coach. Um, the, he took over the team back when the team was like 500 or something. They fired their old head coach. He was then promoted within the organization 
and they've just been on a tear since they were on a tear the second half of the season they've you know been clutching these playoff series especially on the road so i want to give him a lot of credit and it really makes the people in indiana i think fools for firing him and that was a honestly that was a head scratching fire when they fired him because he was like a coach of the year candidate like two years ago for them and he consistently had Indiana in the playoffs and then they fire him and then all of a sudden Indiana misses out in the playoffs and now the Hawks are in the Eastern Conference Finals with him as our head coach so I want to give him a lot of credit um, and then Kevin Herter in game seven that was another player this article talked about how like how how well he stepped up um, let me go over to to it but he was the one that was stepping up um, you know they weren't panicking that was another thing that I think was clear to me, like you do kind of sense the body language with the players. And for the Sixers, it was more when the Sixers had a lead, you could tell it was more of like a feeling. Let's not lose the lead. Whereas when the Hawks would have the lead, it would, it was for them. They were just like, let's go, let's keep scoring. That's kind of the difference that I felt coaching wise in the game. Nate McMillan coached the series a lot better than Doc Rivers did. Um, so continuing our talk about the Hawks, um, for Connor, uh, who else do you give credit for on this Hawks team? Um, who do you give a lot of credit to? I mean, I think it's more so I just give, I mean, I know you gave a lot of credit to Kevin Berger. I mean, honestly, I just kind of give a lot of, I give a lot of credit to their defense in some ways. I mean, I know obviously the defense wasn't fantastic all the time, but I mean, to go through this series and manage to, you know, because obviously guys like Joel Embiid and Tobias Harris are going to get their points. You know, it's not like you're going to be able to contain them completely, but like they managed to keep Joel Embiid and Tobias Harris in check. And also, I mean, honestly, in some ways, you know, I have to commend them on the strategy that you said that they were employing. They started doing the hack of Ben, you know, like the old mm-hmm. hack of shack back in the day. You know, for thinking of that, you know, most teams, they, it's kind of like a thing that you don't really do. But, hey, it's the playoffs. You do whatever you can. And when Ben Simmons is out here shooting 34% from the free throw line, then, you know, why not? Because <laughs> chances are he's probably going to miss both of those free throws. Yeah. And, it's just a, and it just ends up being a wasted possession for the 76ers, you know, and especially if you have fouls to give. So, yeah, I think, like you said, pretty well most of the credit has to go to the coaching in this series. Um, you know, obviously Trey Young stepped up when he had to, but I'm going to give my credit to the defense in this. You know, and it's funny because oddly enough, I'll talk about defense, you know, when we get to the Bucks too. But the defense of the Hawks, man, if they can keep up what they've been doing, you know, who knows if they can maybe transition over and they can start, you know, if they're able to contain Giannis. You know, if you contain Giannis, you beat the Bucks. So, you know, it's just... Yeah. Uh, a matter of can they do it? They managed to contain Embiid. Can they contain Giannis? So I'll ask Eric, um, f- speaking about Danilo Gallinari, because he was a former Thunder player. Did you see this uh, performance from him in the series? Like, because you watched him with with the Thunder. Has he played better to you than expected, or or is he playing as well as you thought he would play? Um, he did a little bit better than what i was expecting um because with atlanta he comes off the bench whereas when he was in okc that season he was a starter so his role is a little bit differently uh or a little bit different and he wasn't 
really super involved, but I think when Bogdanovich was having the knee issues and stuff, it caused him to play a lot more. And so in game seven, especially like he stepped up big time and he was in a situation where he could have really let his confidence get rattled because when he first came into that game seven, um, he missed his first like two or three shots, I think. And like pretty badly too. I mean, I was kind of wondering if he should even be in the game. Uh, and he had a turnover too pretty early on. And I was like, dang, he's, it sucks. Like I like this guy, but I'm like, man, he's hurting them more than he's helping them right now. But, but he stuck with it and, like hit a couple threes and got it going and ended up playing really well. He had some big uh, contested rebounds toward the end. Like normally, like I've talked about not big on rebounds normally, but you know, he had some rebounds where he was going up with Sixers players and coming down with them and grabbing them, which is what I consider more valuable. Uh, he forced a couple turnovers. I mean, he, he, he had the game, he had the game series or the, the game ending turnover when he remember he like yeah. stripped the ball from, I forget who it was. But uh, it, led, it led down for a fast break for him, and that ended the game. Yeah, and he got that dunk at the end. Yeah, I mean, he was so big in that game seven. And that's the thing about the Hawks. I mean, you know, obviously, Trey Young, you're generally going to be able to count on on a night-in and night-out basis. But the thing is, they've got so many – they don't have any other, like, great elite players. But they've got – it's kind of like the Heat team of last year. You know, there's always that one person that – as long as at least one or two of them step up, like they're really tough to beat. Now, if they're all struggling, then, you know, they're probably, they're going to lose, but you know, like in this game, it was, you know, Herter and Gallinari that stepped up big and another game, it might be, you know, Bogdanovich and Capello to get some stuff going or, uh, you know, John Collins might go off one night. I mean, you never, you never know. So, but in this game and game seven, Gallinari was the second biggest one besides Herter that made the difference. And, as a Thunder fan who likes Gallinari, I was happy to see that. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> definitely good for him. Yeah, for sure. Okay, guys, let's go and talk about the Western Conference Finals matchup here. And it's, of course, the Clippers at the Suns. And this is our we've already seen game one. The Suns took game one in Phoenix and they are up one zero in the series. Not surprising. The Clippers probably will lose game two again like they have every time in the playoffs. <laughs> Uh, it, it seems You're to be right. okay for them. They go down 0-2, and it's no big deal. Um, but the article here that I kind of... And by the way, we're all picking the Suns in this, too. So, uh, Eric, yeah, I know you are not picking the Clippers because Kawhi's injury, but this is the first time so far you have gone away from the Clippers. Um, so we'll see if that makes a difference. Uh, but But the article here is how Devin Booker dissected the Clippers defense in Suns game one win. So obviously he had a, his first ever triple double. I know that's Eric's favorite thing, but, um, triple like he's, double. he stepped up and played big, but Eric, uh, give us what you saw in game one and what kind of adjustments you think the Clippers need to need to make on the Suns and what the Suns did really well to win. Yeah. Well, what the, the Suns did really well. And, uh, the thing that I'm, impressed me the most in that game was how Devin Booker played more of a facilitator role in that game in addition to his scoring because with CP3 out instead of keeping him at the two guard and then starting like 
Cameron Payne or something as the primary ball handler. Like Devin Booker was the primary ball handler a lot of the time. That's what led to him getting the triple double. That he, he don't really that's like I said his first one. Uh, usually it's players that are primary ball handlers that get the triple doubles, and normally he doesn't do that, which is why he doesn't get them. But he did a very good job, which surprised me. Like, I was worried for the Suns' sake that they might lose a game early in the series because of Chris Paul not being there. Because with as great as Devin Booker is, like Chris Paul really is the leader on that team. And we saw it like in the Lakers series when Chris Paul got hurt in the first game, how the Suns kind of struggled when he was not out there. So I was kind of worried about that. But Devin Booker stepped up big in this game. And he was the biggest difference for the Suns. And it was a really back and forth game for the most part, but the Suns managed to, uh, you know, pull away with it at the end. Now there were some adjustments though, that the Clippers made towards the end of the game that do make me think they still have a chance. And I'm sure they're going to continue to do this. Uh, They just, towards the end of the game, they just started double teaming Devin Booker like every time. And so, while that you know could lead to somebody getting an open shot, it makes him it makes it harder for him to make the pass, and it also makes it more of a guarantee that he's not going to be taking the shot. So, I, if the Clippers do that and it works, then that could be a difference. Because my thing, generally, my thing with beating pretty much any team that I talk about a lot when we analyze these series and what we think will happen. You've got to take away the other team's best player and make someone else on the team beat you, especially when there's like one superstar and then the rest are, you know, role players or maybe slightly above average guys type of deal. I mean, Aiden's like a borderline all-star, but he's not a superstar. Yeah, he's borderline, but he's another one though, where he like, he's mainly, he mainly gets his points off of like layups and dunks and, you know, stuff like that. In terms of like the make another shooter, Besides Devin Booker, beat make Cameron Payne beat you or Cameron Johnson or Jay Crowder uh, or Bridges. Yeah, make make somebody like that beat you. Like don't don't let Devin Booker torch you like that. Double team him. Try to take him out of the game as much as possible and make someone else beat you. And then if the other guys start getting hot, then you know you'll have to abandon that strategy. But that that's always my biggest thing. Like take away the superstar and make someone else beat you. So if the Clippers can do that. Uh, they have a chance, but they did manage to beat the Jazz without Kawhi. But I just I don't think they can beat the Suns without him, especially since CP3 should be coming back pretty soon. Um, I just don't uh, I just don't see the Clippers being able to win it. I don't know if y'all feel differently. I don't know if you think that adjustment's good or if there's a different adjustment you'd make if you're the Clippers. Uh, what do you guys think? All right, I'll say I'll say this, and it's. Something I've noticed with the Clippers, I didn't, I don't know if, um, I didn't really study it a lot in this game, but in the other series that they've played in, when they've had, um, superstars like Luca and Donovan Mitchell, they've always gone off in the playoffs so far. Like all the, every game, basically Donovan Mitchell and Luka Doncic were incredible. I think the best way you stop that is, the problem with the Clippers, I think, is honestly like an ego problem. They have a belief that their defense is so good that they can switch every player one to five, basically. And Patrick Beverly will guard anybody. Like, here's what they need to do. Like, Paul George, he's, you know, supposed to be their best defender. 
I think he is. So just don't switch. You know, like on every time teams will set screens, they switch, 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 switch. It's just the smallest little thing. They go up for a screen and they switch defenders. They got to fight through these screens and, and contest the shots and, and keep their best defenders on the other team's best players. That, to me, is the big adjustment that I think they they should have been making a long time ago. And it was better when they had Kawhi, but they don't have him anymore, obviously, so they have to go with Paul George as that. But um, that's the defensive adjustment I think they really need to make. I'm not sure if um, if they need to do better on offense or not, but, Connor, I'll, I'll ask you that same question. I mean, honestly, you probably hit the nail on the head for that for not just the Clippers, but for a lot of teams, honestly. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, we could talk about how in the Nets Bucks series, how like, you know, Harding would be coming up the floor and then like, you know, Jeff Green would like set a screen for him and then like, you know, Holiday wouldn't try to fight through the screen at all. So now you have like Giannis guarding Harden and like Holiday on Green. It's like, okay, like, you know, Holiday's a really good defender. I'm sure you can fight through a screen, like, because you don't want Giannis guarding Harden, but, you know, Anyway, yeah, I think that would be for sure that's good. And also, I mean, you guys mostly hit on all the topics. It's just really, honestly, I think more than any other series, because, you know, obviously the Clippers, like you said, they've gone down 0-2 in both of their series, and, um, you know, they managed to come back. But really in this series, this game two is like, I don't think they can afford to drop it. Because like how Eric was saying, CP3 is supposed to be coming back soon. Like, And once CP3 comes back, if they're down 0-2, I honestly wouldn't see any way for the Clippers to come back at that point. Because, you know, obviously Kawhi, like if they had Kawhi, then I would say, yeah, okay, they still have a chance. But without Kawhi, if they're down 0-2 when Chris Paul comes back, then it's over. Like, I, I honestly, I mean, I'm, I guess I probably won't lock it or anything, but, you know, I'd, I'd say the series is over at that point. So they really need to step up. Paul, I mean, Paul George has played well. You know, we called him out too on the last on the last podcast. Yeah, and he's been yes. playing pretty well, so... You know, as long as Pandemic P doesn't come back, then, you know, the Clippers should stand a good chance at winning game two. As long as, like you, as like Eric said, you contain Devin Booker, um, you know, make the rest of the guys beat you. So it's just got to win. <laughs> if you don't, it's over, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. There's they, they can't escape, you know, death that many times. You know, it's the Suns are a different beast. And, and I think a lot of people think they're going to win the series. Um Let's move on now, guys, and wrap this episode up by talking about the NBA draft lottery. So on the night that this podcast is coming out is the same night as the draft lottery. And if you're a Houston Rocket, Orlando Magic, Oklahoma City Thunder fan, you are going to want to watch this. (laughs) Yeah, Detroit's up there, too. But especially with those teams, because there's a lot on the line. Um, You've got draft picks that could be traded. So, um I just kind of want to split this up into two different things and talk about the team that teams team slash teams that need the the first overall pick the most. So the way that the NBA draft lottery works, it's very complicated and there's a lot of numbers on. If you're watching on YouTube, I'm not going to explain all the numbers, but to get the first pick, there's basically it's a lottery system randomly decided and the three worst teams have the three equal best odds to get the first overall pick at 14%. So in this year's case, that's the Houston Rockets, Detroit Pistons, and Orlando Magic. So, Eric, between those three teams, three pretty bad teams this year, 
it's a tough decision here, but which of those teams, which of those teams do you think, in your opinion, needs that first overall pick the most? Yeah, like you said, this is definitely not a easy selection to <laughs> make here because obviously they all could use it. That's why they're. It's not like a case last year where like Golden State had made a trade and then you know they ended up getting the number two pick, but they didn't necessarily need that number two pick, you know, compared to some other teams, but. Uh, this year, all three of the top teams, I mean, they definitely need it. But I'm going to go with Detroit is needing it the most just because Orlando has a pretty good chance of getting another high pick. And then Houston actually does have a couple pieces that I like on that team. I mean, it's not, you know, great or anything, but, you know, they at least have a couple of decent pieces on that team. But Detroit, to me, just doesn't have anything i mean they they need this fresh start as much as possible they already didn't really have anybody and then uh like reggie jackson's now gone and blake griffin's now gone i mean they just they don't have anything dude they i think they need it the most not by a lot but i do think it i think (laughs) it could be them what about you guys i mean i guess I mean, this may be a little cliche, but I guess I do have to go with the team that has that had the worst record, the Houston Rockets. I mean, it was just crazy to see just how bad they were. I mean, even, you know, just games where they were they would play a game against like OKC even or like against Cleveland and they would just get completely blown out. It's like, OK, I know maybe there might be some element of like trying to tank here and whatnot, but still like. You can't be getting blown out by these teams that are, you know, only have like five more wins than you or something. So, um, and also, I think what's interesting for the Rockets, because obviously, you know, they have a really high chance to be somewhere in the top four. But if by that, you know, really, you know, smallish, smaller chance that they don't have a top four pick, they're not even going to have a first round pick. You know, well, that's forty-eight percent chance by the odds. You know, right? But but, but that but that's still fifty-two percent that you're going to get a top. Yeah. Pick. So, but anyway, like basically a fifty-fifty chance that the Rockets, the team with the worst record in the NBA, might not even end up with a first-round pick. You know, and, and well, it'll go to, they it'll... actually they have picks that aren't in the lottery, so they've got like Portland's pick and and another team. I think the Heat. Right. So they so, have uh, other. They have okay. other first round. But picks, like yeah. obviously not. They as won't be in the lottery. lottery. No, 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 no. Right. They're out. So the which is like what they really need. So and that pick will be going to OKC if that happens. So which I know Eric, which I know Eric will be happy about. But <laughs> you know, it's just I think they need it the most for sure, especially like I said, given the fact that they could end up falling out of the lottery. It's really important for them. So obviously, guys, I'm a Magic fan. I could be biased and say the Magic need the first pick the most. And honestly, I think it's a. I think you know the Magic when they've had first overall picks. That remember Shaq, Dwight Howard. They usually end up being pretty good players. So I'm really excited for the lottery. Like I want to see them get the first overall pick and then draft uh, Jalen Suggs. But. Um, Obviously, there's a chance, you know, Cade Cunningham could go first and then they could get him second or third. But I'm going to agree with Eric on this with Detroit, because who did Detroit even have? Like they they have um, Jeremy Grant, I think. Right. Uh, from the yeah. from the Nuggets. That was like their big signing in free agency. Uh, Killian Hayes, I think, was a rookie for him last year. Sadiq Bay was a rookie. Sadiq Bay. They have some good some 
good. North Carolina guy, Wayne Ellington. Woo! Well, Mark's on good young players on their team, but they need the first pick. I think a superstar, and especially, too, like Detroit is such a hard place to get players to go to. You know, it's it's you have to pay like a Detroit tax to get them to get players to sign there, pay them more money to go there. So they're whereas like Houston, they can recruit good players. And plus, Houston's had Houston before this season had a, a great success with their team. They were in the playoffs a lot. Orlando, they've been better than Detroit has. So I'll go with Detroit. They need to win the most, I think, out of these top three. Um, so now. Let's get to another interesting part of the lottery. So I'll ask Eric this question first. Eric, between the non-top three teams in the draft lottery, I won't go ahead and say all of them. That'd take too long. But between those teams, which which of those teams, in your opinion, needs uh, the number one pick the most if they were to get lucky, you know, and, and win the draft lottery with the with lower odds? Yeah, it's a toss-up for me. I mean, like you had with the Magic. I mean, I'm a Thunder fan, and I could say them, but yeah. I'm not going to pick the Thunder because we have, like, a million other draft picks. <laughs> so while obviously <laughs> it would be nice to happen, I, it's not as big of a need for us as some of these other teams. But ironically enough, I mean, even though they had the number one pick last year, I mean, I'm going to go with Minnesota because I think there's a pretty good chance that if not this season, like probably by next season, they're going to move on from Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, I'm sure he's probably ready to get out of there. And once that happens, like they don't have much to work with on this team. And, and I'm not even a big fan of Carl Anthony Towns anyway, but he is still by far the best player on their team. And he's with the three pointer. Yeah. He gives you the three pointer guys. So he does that pretty well, but uh, yeah. Uh, so I'm going to go with them. I mean, my second choice would probably be Cleveland. Uh, like they've got some like good guards and stuff, but kind of like I talked about with Carl Anthony Towns, like I know Kevin Love wants to get out of there really badly. Like he hates it there. Like I've seen clips of him in games where he's like giving up on the team and like, Oh yeah. Talk about giving up, man. Just, <laughs> you should like, see some of his clips. <laughs> yeah. You know, even though he was perfectly fine with signing there, you know, with LeBron and everything and getting that five year, like, max or super max or whatever it was like but now that lebron's not there ooh, I don't be here, like well <laughs> you signed the you signed the five-year contract right you knew lebron wasn't going to stay that whole time but i could rant on except i mean i hate quitters bro i hate quitters <laughs> <laughs> um but so it, it would be a toss-up between one of them but i'm assuming they get rid of carl anthony towns i'm going to go minnesota and if they keep him then cleveland all right, and Connor, I'll let you go next on the same question. <laughs> well, unfortunately, Eric kind of stole mine. I think I was going to say the Cavaliers, but um, I guess if I have to be different from Eric, since he said the Timberwolves and the Cavaliers, well, um, you don't have you don't have to be different. You can go with Cleveland. Okay, I mean, I would probably go with Cleveland. You know, Minnesota. I mean, I think I don't know. It's just like, how often are they going to get the number one pick? to where like it's something's not going to work out. I don't know. I feel like there's, they still have a slight potential to maybe do something if they can get these players developed. Like Anthony Edwards, he showed, you know, some flashes of brilliance last year, you know, obviously, um, you know, even though he was the number one overall pick, he wasn't the, you know, rookie of the year that went to LaMelo ball. But, um, you know, I think, you know, also they do still have D'Angelo Russell right now. They do, you know, for the time being, they have Carl Anthony Towns. So who knows? Like, there's some 
pieces there that could maybe be put together. Whereas the Cavaliers, you know, they really, from what I've seen, all they really have is Colin Sexton. Um, you know, Darius Garland hasn't turned out to be what they hoped he was going to be. So, um, you know, and also I think Cleveland's another place kind of like what, um, I mean, Minnesota's kind of like this too, but also like how uh, Eric said, you know, with Detroit, like it's hard to get people to come to Cleveland. Cleveland's not exactly a, you know, bright destination. It's not like, Le- <laughs> it's not like LeBron's still there, you know, attracting yeah. people there. So, um, I think Cleveland could definitely really benefit from this and just get, I don't know what they're going to get from it, but just get something. <laughs> yeah. They've got, they've got 11.5% chance. Same with Oklahoma city. Uh, I'm glad both of you guys mentioned those teams, those two teams. And that wasn't the one that I was going to pick. I'm going to take the Sacramento Kings. Uh, they're a little bit Ooh, farther down the list here at just 4.5% because they had a better season than the teams that Eric and Connor talked about. But um, this here's the thing with the Kings is I've always thought that they had, you know, somewhat of a good team because especially um, coming into next year um, with Fox and Halliburton, um, who they drafted this year, I think they have some buddy healed. <laughs> yeah, they they have pieces, but they don't have a superstar. They don't have like a number one overall pick, and they haven't had that in so long. I mean they they have the streak in the NBA for missing the playoffs. Like they have going back to I think like two thousand and three or something like that. They haven't made the playoffs, and in a league where more than half the teams make the playoffs, that's really bad. Um, so the, the Kings, they, it hurts them that they play in the West. You know, they play in that division with the Warriors, with the Suns now, with the Clippers, with the Lakers. I mean, that's just a brutal division. And then the, just the West in general with all the other superstars that are in the West. I like, we just always forget about Sacramento and they, there's, they, a, there's a reason why a lot of these teams are East teams on here. Yeah. Yeah, so we just forget about Sacramento, and they haven't had the number one pick like some of these other teams. Cleveland and Minnesota, they've had the number one picks recently. You know, I just, if somehow one of these teams ends up with the number one pick and it's Sacramento, I'll be like, good for you, Sacramento. You know, you've sucked for so long, you can use this. Um, so that's that's my, uh, that's my well, hey, thing about know, Sacramento. No matter what anyone says... The Charlotte Hornets deserve the number one pick and need to get the number one pick. <laughs> <laughs> rigged, rigged, 1.8%. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, no, if Golden State at 0.5%. Oh, jeez. <laughs> there's going to be a riot. I mean, that's, right. that's, no, uh, that, really yeah. is the, that really is the definition of the like the team on here that doesn't need it is Golden yeah. State. <laughs> Golden, State State better get, Golden State better get pick 14. That better yeah. be what they're picking. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right, guys, thanks for thank you. If you tuned in and listened to Eric rant, uh, me talk about the Kings needing a win and the playoffs that are still going on. So hopefully you enjoyed this episode and we'll be back next week with another one. Until then, remember, be clutch. Bye. Please.